0: guys, I'm Alan Beak and welcome to Barber Soup, my unedited and unscripted thinking out loud podcast. I'm going to be sharing my personal experiences and discussing topics related to the hair industry and my journey so far. So sit back, relax and I hope you guys enjoy it. Hello everyone and welcome back to this little break after Christmas and New Year. But I'm back with a two part episode which is titled You 2.0. Proudly sponsored by Booksy. Um, To start off, again, I always feel like I have to apologise for the fact that the sound is always different and people are always having to adjust the volume in the car or in their headphones because I have to just do the podcast in the room that I'm in. So right now, I'm stood on some cold tiles in a utility room and I've got the dog's blanket underneath my feet just to keep them warm because obviously, I don't really wear many clothes in the house, but... Here we go. Now, this podcast is definitely my most revealing, and it's definitely, definitely the hardest one uh, The hardest one I've had to do. It's the hardest one to date, but in this one, I'm going to bear all. I had a break at Christmas, and it felt really nice, and I hope everybody had an amazing Christmas to start with. I don't know what the listeners do for a living, and as I found out that Not just people in the hair industry that listen to this podcast, but also people from all other industries. But when you work in a customer service or a close contact environment, the conversation just after Christmas can get extremely repetitive, almost to the point where I almost wrote on my mirrors, my Christmas was great, thank you, and I hope yours was too but that would have been really, really rude. And I am a sociable person. I do like to talk about Christmas, and it was even more special this time round because of obviously having children. But I've become quite good at directing the narrative of conversation, obviously, with working with people for such a long time. I can direct that narrative with my clients, so I get all the the formalities out of the way, And then I just get into a mutual conversation that I think that we'd both enjoy. Obviously, I've spoke about energies before and you can read the energy from your client. You know full well that if they don't want to have a conversation, you can get that within the first first 30 seconds. Sometimes it's what you need to do following this lull or this little bit of a quiet time that you need to bring them out of that little slump. And just be positive and be as, as upbeat as you can. But in this episode, I very aptly named it You 2.0 and I want it to be about remodeling your brand or remodeling yourself. Every year, people make New Year's resolutions which means that they've identified flaws in their life and they want to make them better. So the usuals, things like stop drinking, lose weight, stop smoking. And most of the time, we put too much pressure on ourselves to do them as they are mountainous tasks but what I want you to do is think molehills instead of mountains, small incremental changes to your life to make it easier and more enjoyable. If we look at big brands like Cola, Coke, Cola, where do I think I'm from America? Um, Coca-Cola, Apple, Tesla, Ford, Samsung, every year they, they identify their weaknesses, their flaws, and they make improvements to create something new and more revolutionary Look at the iPhone. Apple thinks right. Our camera is a weaker aspect of our device, so let's work on that, and we'll do some research. We'll work on new technology, and we'll test it. And when it's ready, we'll 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 release a new phone, and it'll all all in turn add value to the product that they're selling, and add value to the brand itself. The same can be said for cars. What is it that a car needs? what will make it more attractive to buyers research and development teams will spend years just doing this the ways in which cars have developed has moved so much in the last 10 years it's absolutely insane now companies have research and development um, departments and it's even it's even that much wanted in the in any industry that the HMRC will even give you money back for spending money on research and development. But the principle is simple. Analyze what we have, find out what we need to do to make it better and get it get to work. And the best thing's about it all is that it does work. More people want them, and more people need them, and again more value is added to the thing that is being developed and evolved. But the point I'm trying to make here is that corporations and big brands do this every year and remodel their products in order to grow and evolve. And we can do the exact same thing with ourselves. But we never really focus on it that way. We can identify our own weaknesses and our own strengths and learn how to do things in order to evolve and propel ourselves. And I don't just mean professionally or on a career level. I also mean on a personal level too. And one of the best sayings I've ever come across is in order to get to the places you don't go, you have to do the things you don't do. And one of those things that we don't do is be completely honest with ourselves. And that's because we're all in denial. Everyone's in that big river in Africa and loads and loads of people are in denial. I've been in denial and I've heard lots of people sit in my chair and tell me stories. And I just think, mate, you're in denial. Nobody wants to admit their faults. No one wants to admit that they're selfish, but we are. Humans are insanely selfish And it is an innate survival mechanism to be selfish. But some people just take it to a whole new level. And there are plenty of bad traits that we all possess. We procrastinate, we're lazy, we're undisciplined, we're self-centered, we're vain, materialistic. The list is endless of all the bad traits that humans have. But how many people can actually sit there and write down all the bad traits that they have? As dangerous and counterproductive this may be, it's very important to know exactly who we are and the person who knows you best is you. So whenever I do my education, I give people a progression matrix and it's a a self-analysis form uh, because the person who's most critical of themselves is yourself. So you have to delve very deep and be very honest with yourself. So here's a story. okay? Just over four years ago, I did this exact same thing and I knew that if I wanted to make myself better, I had to be brutally honest and tell myself what I was. I was a drunk. I was an alcoholic. I was a drug abuser. I was selfish and I was a liar. I put my addiction before everyone, including my wife, my six-month-old baby, it's something that I'm deeply, deeply ashamed of, but I've been working on reconciling the years and years and torture I put my wife through. And when I say liar, I don't, I don't mean in regards to, my, to anything else other than my drinking. Like when it came to drinking, I could lie that much about how bad it was that I actually believed it myself. That is one of the things that stopped me from, st- stopped me from stopping it. But it's taken me a lot to come on here and it's taken a lot to talk about it and this is really the first time that I've done it so publicly and I'm doing it to prove a point more than anything and like I always say, this is a, this podcast is like therapy to me. But when I say I was an alcoholic, I was fully functional and that's why it was so hard to stop. I enjoyed it so much that I never thought that I was doing any damage to anyone I was still working every day, I was still working every night, I would still train, run. I got up up in the night with the baby. I tried to be the best I could be, but with this big black cloud over my head. I was being dishonest. I was being so dishonest with myself and saying, I don't have a problem, I just like a drink. Until my wife forced me to see someone. So we started to do a unit count, obviously a unit of alcohol, um, is like a shot of whiskey, and we started to do this unit unit count, and we did some blood tests, went to the doctors. Um, my liver was fine because it had had fifteen years of adaptation of constant abuse, and the fact that I was training and running so much, my my body was quite healthy. But my unit on the my unit count on the other hand was just absolutely ridiculous. It was scary, in fact. My average unit count for a week was roughly 380 units which when I look back now it is just shy of about 10 bottles of gin or vodka or whiskey so it started off with beers and wine but because I'd built up such a tolerance and my belly couldn't fit enough beer or wine in to get to the point in which I needed to feel that numbness I couldn't get from beer or wine so I moved on to Jameson's or Jack Daniel's and I would hide the whiskey and I would make it out that I was just having a few beers. But secretly, I'd have a full bottle hidden somewhere all around the house. I even put gin in water bottles and got caught. Every now and again, I'd get caught and I'd say sorry. And I'd have a day or two of, well, I would say not drinking. I'd just hide it better. But then it would just spiral and get out of control. I'd make friends with Lindy again. And then the whole process would just repeat itself over and over Because of my unit count, I was transferred to a specialist who gave me medication, which stops the production of dopamine. So when I drank, I never got the buzz. And obviously, some people drink to relax. Some people drink, you know, as a social thing. I did it for that little buzz that it got me, that numbness. Um, So when I was taking the medication, I just got the sleepiness. So I started emptying the capsules. Obviously, Lindsay wanted to see me take the, the tablets. But I learned that if I opened the capsules, emptied the contents, still took them, I was back at the start. So I saw another therapist and a cognitive behavioral therapist, and it worked for a short time, but I always had that demon banging away in my head and it was killing me. To try and stop the desire to drink, I would go for a run after work and Lindsay would say like, you know, don't have a drink tonight, just go for a run. And then I knew it got to a really, really bad point because... There was one time when I went for a run and I put a £20 note in my sock, I ran to the shop and I walked home with a bottle of Jack Daniels. I finished it and then sprinted to the door as if I'd just finished the run. A little bit sweaty, obviously red face because I was 70 centiliters of Jack Daniels in my belly which is about 40 units. And that was the extent to my problem. I promised with all of my heart after the after the new year of 2018 that I would stop for Lindsay for the baby and then on the 5th of January I went to um I went to an American crew event in London and it was mega. It was like a QA on stage and then I planned to meet Kevin Lutchman and Sheriff Mehmet afterwards to go for some food and I drank the entire time from the train journey to the last thing at night. I'd promised from the second not to drink for the entire month and I lasted until the 5th so I went home with my tail between my legs I came home and I came clean because I had to be honest at this point so Lindsay and the baby left I sat down and I told myself everything I was I was completely honest and I remember this night like it was yesterday I was completely honest with myself I came clean I owned up I was accountable and I was responsible for everything that I was at that time not to anyone else but my weaknesses my flaws and fucking honestly to when i wrote it all down it was devastating to to write it down and realize all the bad things that i'd become and all the bad things that i had done and had been doing so once i made the list i decided to make a new list of all the things that i wanted to be not the things i am now I did learn this from the C from my CBT, um, the cognitive behavioural therapist called Paul Stevenson, who was who was amazing. He was great, and he's a good friend of mine's dad, um, in, and he's very very well known in his world, and whom I've yet to see and thank for his help because I've not seen him in a long time. But he taught me about affirmations, and that by ri- that by repeating something or telling yourself over and over something you want to be, then in turn, you will actually become that. So I started an affirmation with, I am a non-drinker. I am kind, I am honest, I am hardworking, I am passionate, I am loving, I am generous, and I am disciplined. And this list, which is longer than a few things that I've just mentioned and said over and over, I said it that much that I started to believe it. I wrote the list down of all the things that I wanted to be and I said it over and over and over again and I started to believe it. If you deprive yourself of oxygen or food, you panic and you'll do anything to get what you need. And I was exactly the same with alcohol but by using the affirmations of telling myself, I don't need it, I want it. Whatever the toxic trait is, whether it's alcohol, drug addiction, food addiction, sex addiction... There's no comfort in it. No matter how many excuses you use, I'm stressed, I'm being hurt by someone and it's my escape, it makes me numb, it's my medicine. It's what gets me through pain, it's what gets me through grief. If it's a bad trait, it's a bad trait and something that needs to be stopped. You need to own up to it. Taking it away and changing the feeling of deprivation to the feeling of elation is what you need to do to overcome it and that's how it works for me. I'm still no angel, but I managed to overcome the biggest and most horrible thing in my life. And the thing that had me thinking the only... It was the thing that had me thinking that the only way out was suicide. And I'm not ashamed to say it. There's only a couple of people that I've ever told that. And I'd planned it many times, how I would do it, if so, and, you know it I mean it's it's hard to talk about but I'd planned how I would do it and if so how would I plan things after it and if things got worse how how else would I how else would I make it stop so I had to make a change but when there's too much to lose there's always a way to fix it there's always a way to fix it and lucky, lucky for me I found it and my family and I found it together so, And I'm not looking for sympathy here at all because there are people in such worse positions than I am. I'm just trying to tell you my story and that is it. I'm happy to have shared it uh, and in the hope that it might help someone else. I'll let you know that it's okay, it's okay to be human. This is a human... It's human to experience this toxic behavior. If I'd reached out and been honest with myself earlier, I would have been helped by so many people and it wouldn't have got that bad. So just to conclude this episode, I know that it's been a very, very dark one and very, very, um, what's the word? Morbid, morbid one. But you are what you say you are. Say it enough times and you will believe it and you will become it. I am now just just over four years clean and sober and I still struggle with the stress of work and family but I deal with it so much better when I thought that it was helping me alcohol it wasn't it was making it worse I'm happier than I've ever ever been the black cloud has gone I still have my low days of course I'm a human being like I still have low days I still have quite quite low days Sometimes that work does get overwhelming, family does get overwhelming, but I have to deal with it in other ways, more holistic ways, getting out in nature, going for walks, going for a run, spending time with my family. But if anyone is going through any struggles or anything similar, I cannot stress enough how liberating it is to be honest with yourself. So one of the key aspects of this podcast is just about honesty. It's about creating a new you. It's you 2.0. And we're at the perfect time of year now to be able to do it. So once you've gotten everything written down, take out that notebook that I've been telling you to get endless times and write down all of your toxic traits. Be very, very honest with yourself. And once you've done it, share it. You can either share it or you can keep it to yourself. But if there's something that you need help in, like an addiction, like a problem, something that that if you do share, you can get help with, Tell someone and get help. My door, theoretically, is, is always open. My DMs are always open should anyone ever want to talk. I want to thank you for listening. And soon part two will be released and I promise it will be a, a lot much happier of an episode. And And again, please, if there is anything that I can do to help, make sure that you get in touch. So until then, take care, everyone. And much love.